We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. First guest of the season. Yeah, we're at. I mean, I think the move is if the Warriors are tanking, we're tanking the podcast too. So <laughs> less guests, just a lot less effort. <laughs> Nobody cares. Who's on? Who's on again? I don't even. Who? I don't know. You tell me. <sighs> Andrew, Andrew, hey. how's it going? It's it's that kind of season. Uh, it's Andrew Sharp, sir. There you are. What's up, man? It's great to be back with you guys. I feel like it's important for us to do one of these podcasts like two or three times per season. So I'm overdue. Hey, guys. Uh, ben Cruz here. Sorry to cut you off. But before you get into the heart of the conversation here, why don't we let Andrew plug his new podcast that he's got going on? Yes, it's greatest of all talk. You can go to goat.supportingcast.fm or if that's too confusing, just go to my Twitter subscribe ben and i are gonna have a lot of fun this year and uh we appreciate all the support we can get we are recording this by the way for the uh uh the listeners after a 20 point loss uh the warriors to the grizzlies sam did you actually you know what andrew did you watch the game (laughs) so did you watch the game here's the thing okay sam asked me if i wanted to come on the podcast like a week ago and i told him i would uh we've been trying to get together for a little while now but I also told him I haven't watched a single Warriors game all season long. They're the one team in the league that like I can't bring myself to engage with because I find it so depressing that even even worse than the even worse than the Cavaliers. 
No, look, the Cavs, I'm a I'm a Darius Garland guy, so I will watch specifically for Darius Garland. <laughs> it's not shocking. But not here's shocking. the deal. I did ultimately watch Friday night against the Clippers, and then I wasn't going to watch the Grizzlies game, but I saw the first half was close, so I was like, all right, that's awesome. Like, I'll tune in and watch a close second half against the Grizzlies. Grizzlies are a fun young team. And lo and behold, I check in for the start of the third quarter and watch you guys get blown off the floor by Jonas Valanciunas and Tyus Jones and Dylan Brooks. And it's just like, shit, like, I guess this is where the Warriors are at this year. I can't believe you guys have been doing like daily podcasts about this team for the last four months. We're making people pay, by the way. (laughs) It's just unbelievable. First off, um, you know, if... If it wasn't fixed, Smile Geach would have had 40 today. So oh, man. that's where we're at. Um, for the listeners, uh, we're going to put the second half of this podcast behind the paywall. So uh, incentive for you to subscribe. But um, I, I don't even think that's the most flagrant part of today's game. The most flagrant part is not being able to finalize the paperwork so Damian Lee can't play. Like, they're just finding new ways to tank. And I'm starting to wonder, is this more flagrant than, like, the early process Sixers? I mean, it's bad. It it really is. But I will say this. I am having more fun, and I'm going back to the Clippers game. They played together and played hard, and uh, they're actually, like, discovering some guys who will be interesting pieces when the Warriors resume being like a relevant part of the NBA. And like, so I, I, while I grant that the the tanking effort is completely shameless at this point. And like, I don't know whether you guys include D minutes as part of the tanking effort, but like he, he fits perfectly with where they're at right now because he could just get buckets and they can lose by 20 and everyone wins in that scenario. But I just want to add that, like, I love Damien, some of the Damien Lee stuff that I've seen. And then particularly you're, you're talking Christmas. Man. We, well, yeah, I saw him. I saw him against the Rockets, which, by the way, that was awesome. So I guess I lied. <laughs> <laughs> I had so I did watch that entire game. And um, and then Amari Spellman, man. He's kind of an interesting piece. And I think that he could actually be useful once these games start to matter again. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm all about Omari Spellman. Um, just because, like, I mean, I don't think – I think we're beyond hoping Draymond Shop comes back. We just kind of have to, like, ride with the fact that he'll occasionally make a couple dumb threes. But in general, it's going to be a lot of rimming out and, you know, off the side of the backboard when he yeah. decides to shoot it. So any sort of shooting for the five position is welcome. Well, and I appreciate Draymond. He still looks really confident every time he takes a three. So that part of his game is like, at least he's still confident. But God, some of the misses are pretty ugly. Why, why do I feel like Sharp D'Lo is your type of player? All right. So he is my type of player. Um, Sam and I have talked extensively about D'Lo even before he was on the Warriors. The issue with him is he just never gets to the line. And like, I'm not... I don't want to get there. There are certain like bucket getting type guys that are almost there. It's like too dangerous for me to like fully invest in. And I put Zach Levine in that category. And I put D'Angelo Russell in that category. Like I, I need a little bit of distance 
between me and D'Lo because I don't feel like I can 100% trust him. Um, yeah, you we, just completely fall in love with um, – <laughs> by the way, D'Lo second in the NBA in field goal percentage in the mid-range, and that is exactly the problem. He hits the stupidest shots on repeat, <laughs> and you convince yourself you're seeing some like second coming of Kobe. Yeah. And, well. and then you remember the fact that like – Kobe had this maniacal streak that he won in spite of taking the dumbest shots of all time. And it's and unlikely he, that D'Lo does. <laughs> and the thing, the thing that I like about D'Lo is that he has a like, genuine feel that you can't teach. And he has a lot of skills that I think particularly among like the current generation of young NBA players who have been trained to basically hit like layups and threes. I think like the skills that that D'Angelo has are like pretty valuable, but he also can't um, he just can't get easy buckets for himself. Like everything has to be these like fall away contested pull ups. And that's where it starts to be like, all right, like it's great that you have these skills, but I wish you had something a little bit more dependable to kind of like bookend some of these shots with. Well, it's, it's like the Jamal Crawford thing, which is to say if he's going to be the next Jamal Crawford, you don't want to be paying him $30 million a year. Yeah. Um, but, like, I mean, that is a useful skill set to have. And one, the Warriors um, could have used at any time they, you know, didn't have Kevin Durant, obviously. Um, which kind of brings me to my kind of our first topic here. Andy and I talked about it on the last podcast, but. It seems to me the Warriors are uninterested in trading D'Angelo Russell unless it's in context of a big move. You know, Joe Lacob is Joe Lacob's not a uh, Robert Cover- Robert Covington and Josh Akogi type of guy. Yeah. <laughs> he wants uh he wants Embiid, he wants Carl Anthony Towns, he wants, you know, Giannis, name he wants basically all the things that you probably don't want the Warriors to have, but um, <laughs> but like you know, big game hunting, so to say. Um, so I kind of think the most likely scenario is they open next year with D'Angelo Russell. Um, doesn't mean he's going to be on the team for his whole contract, but I just don't see them selling him for bit parts in the summer, particularly since they're not even going to get a chance to see how he looks next to Steph or Clay this season. Um, so my question for you is, in a world where they bring D'Lo back next year, where do you see them fitting into this Western Conference, assuming none of the top teams you know, go through a massive shakeup? Um, and are we assuming that Clay and, I mean, Steph will be 100%. Are we assuming 100% Clay? I, I guess you can, you can assume what, what you think Clay will be off of an ACL next yeah. year. Yeah. I, I okay. think it's. I maybe think like it's eighty, seventy-five, maybe. I think. I think he's my my personal guess is he'll probably be himself towards the latter part of next year. But like yeah. Yeah. to to expect him to look like the guy we saw in the finals right before he got hurt, you know, on October twenty, whatever, unlikely. Right. Um, yeah, and that sort of changes my answer a little bit. I, I think. Clay has been so superhuman even before he came out and shot that free throw. Like he just has always seemed sort of like indestructible. And when like the Warriors would rest certain guys, like Clay would always play. And, uh, and I just think that he's one of those guys who might be built to recover from this better than like the average NBA player. So I'm a little bit bullish on like the version of Clay that we're going to get. 
But if we just if we if we're conservative with this and say, all right, we're going to expect him to be 80 percent, 75 percent for most of next season. I think that they're going to be in the top half of the West um, because I think that they'll they'll have another summer to kind of like tweak the margins of the roster and try to be a little bit less hopeless defensively. Um, And I also, I think that your, your read on the D'Angelo thing is right. Like the idea that they're just going to flip him for Robert Covington has never made any sense to me. And if they deal him, it'll be to get like a Ben Simmons type guy. We should talk about the Simmons stuff specifically. Oh, we're, oh, we're, going, I, we're going into that because I know you got takes. But yeah, well, I, I'm we'll, curious for your read on it. But the, the long story short is I'm a Warriors believer and maybe recklessly so because I was high on them coming into this season. Uh, I figured that they would struggle and then sort of like Kerr would figure out the right the right mix to not give up 160 points a game and then they would be – a tough outcome playoff time. Um, and so I think all of that is still in play next season as well, except that they're going to have the opportunity to kind of play with the roster and, and make the, the, the nucleus make a little bit more sense um, going into next season. So they're going to have, um, I'm just, I'm just going to put this in to, to bring the conversation full circle. So we we're assuming they have Steph clay, D'Angelo Russell, Draymond green, Looney, Willie Colley Stein's probably coming back. I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, (laughs) They're going to have a top five pick in a draft that looks really underwhelming. It's bad. (laughs) Um, They have the Iguodala trade exception, which is 17 million. I I think they can probably get something like a Kelly Olenek for that. (laughs) Um, It's great here. It's a a Warriors. (laughs) They'll get Andre Iguodala. They'll get Iguodala back, but he'll be 36, 37. And, oh, yeah. um, and they have a taxpayer mid-level. Um, I don't really know what that's going to get you. Yeah, um, maybe maybe you know. it's a Rodney Hood caliber type player. I mean, I, I he's just always who I think of when, when I think Rod, of like you who, Rodney who Hood. Can you, you Marcus Thompson? Who can you get? Who can you get for four to five million? Rodney Hood. You know, <laughs> Rodney like, Hood. It's it's just my quintessential answer. Seth Curry, it should have been. Though I have Damian Lee. Yeah. So so I mean, well, it's, it's going to be a better think- pieces. I think that Damian Lee and Amari Spellman, like some of the guys this year, like it's, it's funny because you and I, like we actually have similar like fandom experiences this right. season because the wizards have a bunch of guys like seven through 12 who are pretty interesting. They just don't have anyone who's like decent one through six, except Bradley Beal. Uh, but, and that's sort of where the warriors are. And so I think, that adding like a Spellman to play 20 minutes a game could actually be really valuable for them. Um, and, and the, the D thing to that point, the reason I think that they should keep him if there isn't a star trade available and, and like, cause I think obviously if you can package D and that pick to get someone who can help them go contend for the next three or five years, like you do that in a heartbeat, but that deal is sort of easier said than done. Um, but the reason you keep him is because right now his, his value is like rock bottom. And ideally, if you're the Warriors, you say, all right, so right now half the league is looking at D'Lo as kind of a losing scorer who puts up numbers on but can't like raise a team's floor very high. Um, but the, the hope is that pairing him with actual Hall of Famers and uh, on a team that will contend all year 
will then sort of like raise his value and you could trick some team into giving up a star. And that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> trick some team. You know who we're tricking? You got to chill with the, uh, with the, the draft is going to be bad because I think a lot of this revolves around the Warriors giving up a top three pick uh, for what is a, what is assumed to be perhaps a superstar in Anthony Edwards. Oh, you know, man. Or well, James look. Wiseman. <laughs> you know, if <laughs> you can just, trick Elton Brand, who doesn't seem to be the brightest GM, uh, I, th- I think it might work. Like, I, I think that's the plan that, that Bob just, Myers is trying I to just do. Wanna, I just want to throw this one out. A- Andy watched Anthony Edwards once in November and said... <laughs> and I called him Anthony Wiggins. <laughs> and I was like, he's not Wiggins. He's so much better. I've now watched like 10 of his games, which... I mean, I really, I don't know why I did that, but, um, <laughs> but I've, I've come around to the same Wiggins-ish take, and I'm just so upset that I invested 20 hours into coming to a point Andy came in in like 20 minutes. <laughs> well, okay, and, and I'm right there with you guys because we're both rooting for teams that are going to be picking in the top five this year. I have not made the mistake of investing 20 <laughs> hours of my life in Georgia Bulldogs basketball. But um, I get the same vibes. I don't. I, I don't. I don't get the Wiggins vibe as much. But I get kind of like a Monte-ish vibe from Anthony Edwards, where Ooh. it's just like a that's just a shorter Wiggins. Yeah, not quite good enough to um, command as much usage as he does. So, and and you look up and down the board, like James Wiseman. I, first of all, like he has wizards written all over him, but like, <laughs> I, no way I could get that excited about James Wiseman. And, um, and that's, uh, I mean, like, well, like, nobody has seen him play basketball. Like he played like two games at Memphis, but it's, and, and the LaMelo stuff, I'm not willing to buy in on that front either. Lamello, I, I actually got Posey this one. LaMelo is um, the archetype for everything that's wrong with the internet. Because oh, here we go. Because the highlights are, they're like intoxicating. He makes some ridiculous passes. Yeah, he hits some ridiculous shots, and then you go look at it and you see he's shooting twenty four percent from three, thirty five percent from the field for the season. And you're and you know like you get the the Bleacher Report, um, Lamelo another triple double, <laughs> but it conveniently leaves out the fact he shot eight for thirty on the game. Yes. That's the thing here. Like, cause from what I've seen of him and I have actually watched some highlights on him, you can tell he does have really nice feel and he has good size and you could convince me that he could be a really good NBA player one day if the jumper is there and the jumper is not there at all right now. So like that should be the story that we're talking about. Like, all right, he's still like, not shooting well. But some team's going to have to give him a chance. But, like, don't try to sell me on this guy as, like, some sort of foregone conclusion future NBA superstar. Like, the jumper is a mess. I I do think it's hilarious that he and his brother Lonzo, like, the number one skill that you would say they both have is, like, they have incredibly high basketball IQ feel, Uh, which is just very opposite to – to LeVar Ball, the way he sells him, which I think is just kind of the funniest thing. Like, he's so bright. You would assume his sons were going to be like Monte Ellis. And right. instead, they're like, uh, I don't know, like, like Iguodala, Sean Livingston, or something like that, you know? Totally. So. 
Totally. They are like Livingston, actually. The, Lonzo uh, Ball is my guy, by the way. I will, I will I mean, never he, give up on Lonzo Ball. He's good. He's he's yeah. just like, I, I don't know if he's take number two in the draft good. He's he's going to definitely find his way as being a Iguodala on like a title team in the back half of his career. Good for him. Well, and I've been watching more Pelicans lately, and he has actually played really well. But again, a lot of Lonzo's success is like directly correlated to his jumper. Like when his jumper is falling, everything makes sense. And you're like, God, this guy is awesome. Um, but then when it's not, he, he makes whatever team he's on becomes like much, much easier to guard. And so uh, I do hope that he keeps it rolling because like the little things that he does are just a lot of fun to watch. It's just a question of like how, how often you can have him on the court if he's but- not going to be a threat as a shooter. By the way, Sharp, how come you didn't name your, uh, you got a new podcast with Golliver now. Um, how come you didn't name that the Brandon Ingram pod? Like that wasn't, wasn't well, in one of the choices. It's going to be sort of an unofficial designation going forward. <laughs> I think the the real heads will know that that is the corner where all Brandon Ingram stands can congregate. And uh, I'm very excited. I feel validated by all of Ingram's success. <laughs> you really knocked year. that one out of the park. Yeah. <laughs> I have been betting on him for many years now. And he has, he's, he's gotten like steadily better each season. Um, and now liberated from the LeBron James shadows. He's actually been <laughs> like, phenomenal. Um, but speaking of Ingram, all right. So I was on the Ricky podcast with Spike and Mike last week and I, I put it to them. I was like, all right, so what would it take to trade Ben Simmons to the Warriors? (laughs) Love it. Said you would have to give up Clay Thompson. And the more I think about it, that makes a lot of sense from the Sixers standpoint there. Cause like, you're basically waving the white flag if you're like, all right, yes, we'll take D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green. We'll take all of your failed experiments, your bad contracts, and we'll tr- try to pretend that this hey, is Anthony Edwards, too. <laughs> yeah, Anthony <laughs> Edwards, too. But I do, I just, I love Ben Simmons' fit on the Warriors. Obviously, it would be less attractive if you're taking Clay out of the equation. But Ben Simmons is like the new Draymond who extends the reign another five to seven years. Makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, but would you guys be willing to give up Clay? No. No, that's not happening. That, for, okay. no, no, no. Not for Ben Simmons. I, there are players I'd give up Clay for. Um, but I feel like the whole point of having Steph and Clay into their 30s is they are. Every team's looking for four guys to space the floor around their star. Yeah. Because that's, that's what you need. And Steph and Clay allow you to you can literally just have two guys who can shoot the ball and get the space. Well, that, that is you what need. that's literally what they do. Yeah, they have two guys. <laughs> it just yeah, lets you it's it, not great, actually. <laughs> it's not <laughs> shit, <laughs> didn't really work. <laughs> well actually, well, they they, they might have won. It just lets you get away with lineups no other back only Steve Kerr plays can get yeah. you away with. Fucking yeah. four centers and and like and I'm, I'm just imagining a scenario where it's Steph, Draymond, Looney, Ben Simmons, <laughs> and like Jordan Poole, and yeah. and Steph's just getting just assaulted with like a four defenders, and they can't figure out how to score the ball. Right. 
I think that's the, the, the smart way to read it. Um, so Andy, like how much, how much of the Ben Simmons stuff is trolling? How much do you think it could actually happen? Like where's your head on this? I don't even like the, the crazy part is Sam, what was it? This was probably like a month ago. Like one of our, one of our, uh, premium subscribers had brought this up. I was immediately all in. I, yeah. This is, this is all I want. I, I want Ben Simmons. I get the clutch stuff. I get the, uh, he, he spends his off seasons, you know, working on layups rather than actual shooting uh, drills. But, you know, whatever. And it's like, that's what Draymond does. Who cares? Um, but my, my thing, yeah, I think Draymond's in a, a text, a text I got. Um, Draymond's Draymond's on a Peloton on a yacht in the middle of the Red Sea. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Hold on. As well, he should be okay. I that Draymond has been a badass basketball player for the last like seven years. He's like been playing up a position, getting his ass kicked, and he's been an absolute maniac whenever it matters. And so I'm glad that he's getting this kind of golden parachute era of his career, where he's just kind of chilling, kicking back, waiting for the actual good Warriors to return. I want him to chill. By the way, Sharp has given us perspective because, you know, uh, ev- pretty much every podcast we've done this year has been a lot of uh, Draymond has been really bad. I appreciate you kind of being the bigger Warriors homer than us right now. That's because he, <laughs> that's because he watched him on Christmas Day, probably the first game he's <laughs> watched the since, only game he's since uh, Steph broke his hand, like the third game of the season. He, yep. watched, he watched Draymond, Punk, Westbrook, and Harden at the same time. And that's, that's all he needed. Good enough. Look. Sam, that's a fact. And <laughs> I, I sat there and I was like, because no, I'm lying. I, I have seen like bits and pieces of the Warriors. Sure. And again, I, after like three minutes, I'm, I'm so like, sorry. I can't, I can't handle this. <laughs> but I saw him against the Rockets and I was like, wow, Draymond is really locked in and is super motivated to sit here and just punk James Harden on Christmas Day, no matter what it takes. <laughs> and so I really respect him. Even if that's the only game all year we see him at like 100%, 110% like Draymond playoff levels, I think he picked the perfect game. Um, real quick, by the way, uh, Sharp, I know they talked about Clay and uh, Clay and Draymond for Simmons. I think most Warriors fans, they talk, they, they think about this trade and uh, who was it? Was it Henry? It was Abbott and, and, uh, and what's David that? Thor. that. Yeah. David Thor. I was going to say Locke. Uh, but they had brought it up. They had, they had mentioned it was D'Lo a pick and whomever and Looney and whomever else. So I think when Warriors fans think of it, they think of a Draymond, Simmons, Steph, and Clay. So I don't know how realistic that is. Sixer yeah. fans probably won't like it, but I think that's how If I was a Sixer fan, yeah. and yeah, I totally get it because everyone is aware that like Simmons and Embiid is – it's just not a marriage that's going to last. Right. Um, but Simmons is also super talented. So you want to get back a comparable talent yep. for him. Yep. And, and that's a problem. Like, why would it, another team give him that? But anyway, all, all that aside, um, I, I guess my question is, if it was Draymond, if it was a package that was Draymond and D'Lo and like a pick, and then you get back Simmons and you'd have to get back some other stuff because... Uh, just salaries, right? Um, yeah. Do, where do you sit on the Warriors if they can pull? Does Philly even <clears throat> consider that? Because I don't, I don't even know how Draymond and Horford play together in any way. <laughs> but, well, it's really difficult right now to project anything that will motivate the Sixers come July because I do think 
that's the one thing you you alluded to it. The one thing working in Golden State's favor with that deal is that like potentially they're going to get to mid June and realize that they have to choose between Simmons and Embiid because those yeah. guys are unhappy and they need to make a move one way or the other. Um, I think one of the other things on on the Philly side is like they they may need to trade Horford too and they, like we we their their team is such a mess as currently constructed and of course they can still make the finals and still potentially win the title because that's it's they, just kind they, of they weird start year. four power forwards exactly and so like <laughs> you're dealing with a crazy person on that on that side of the negotiations so it's impossible to predict what will be like animating their behavior in a, in a potential trade negotiation in in mid June um, that said. I think that the Spike, Spike and Mike are too smart to like buy all the way into D'Angelo Russell and the like second <laughs> half of Draymond Green's prime. And, and You're the just poo-poo, like the poo poo platter, the poo-poo of, like, platter, smile, yeah. Smile yeah there's like Pascal and <laughs> smart Sixers fans will be absolutely appalled by that offer, <laughs> but maybe the Sixers front office won't. I think that's, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. the plan. I think that's all you got to hope for at this point. Well, I mean, they, so you're, but you're saying that they would trade Simmons and they would never trade Embiid, though. Like they're smart yeah, enough that was, to realize that's not the. That was gonna, that was going to be my question. It, it yeah. seems to me everything I see out of Philly, at least from Spike, Mike, and like most of the very engaged online Philly people, is if one of them's going, it's Simmons. Mm, I, I don't just, know. I just don't. Know, I just Whoa. don't know that that's a. Um, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know that's how the front office feels, but I, I, yeah. And I agree. And I think that if you polled Sixers fans, most Sixers fans, cause I got into this with Spike and Mike on the Ricky and then heard from a bunch of Sixers fans who were just like disgusted with me for even raising it as a possibility <laughs> that like one of those two guys could get traded. But I think, so most of them have not really like engaged the question thus far. Um, and if they were to engage the question, I bet it would be split almost 50, 50 because it, with Embiid, there's the injury concerns. And if you're like, all right, so at, which player do we want to invest in for the next 10 years? Wow. I, I mean, that's a really tough question. Um, just objectively speaking. And it, as far as the front office is concerned, Embiid probably wears people out behind the scenes more than we know. Simmons does as well, I would imagine. Um, but for that reason, I, I really do think like anything is possible in terms of which direction they choose. Wow. I can't, uh, I can't imagine. I, I guess I can't imagine uh, them choosing Simmons just because Simmons won't get injured and Embiid's kind of Embiid. I, I can right? see Simmons entering his prime the same year uh, Embiid is physically exiting his. Like, How old is Simmons? Like 24? He's the exact I think same he's age 23. as 23. 23, wow. Yeah. And, and like you said, Sam, I mean, if you watch Embiid right now, he he's already, he looks kind of bulkier and slower than he did a couple years ago. And big men age earlier anyways. So it's just... It's it's a tough bet. Although, the, by the same token, and, and when I I finally forced Spike to answer this question, um, he was like, "Look, Embiid is the one guy who is clearly good enough to be the best player on a title team. So, if forced to choose between 
keeping one of them, you keep the guy who can actually do it. And and there's no there's no indication yet that Simmons can be that guy. And I, I imagine we disagree on that. I'm not a big Simmons guy. I think he'd be perfect in Golden State and maybe a couple other situations, but. I think I think we're only big Simmons guys because you know me and Sam, or, or at least I'm sold because who else are you going to get? You know, it's like totally. Also, you know, he it, doesn't need to be the guy on the Warriors. The guy, he, yeah. he could he could easily be the best player, but he doesn't need to be the guy. Oh, Clutch is, will say he's the best player. Which is a, that? Which is a, that. which is a different thing. He needs to be a supercharged Draymond Green, but he doesn't need to be the guy that the ball goes through at the end of games. Could be two yeah. Draymonds. And if he if he were traded, maybe that's the type of thing that like shakes him up a little bit and makes him see his the rest of his career a little differently. Because I think to this point, he has kind of envisioned himself as like a junior LeBron, the next Magic, this or that. And it, it would be healthier to say, all right, I'm going to go be like Draymond Green from outer space and just drive teams absolutely nuts and do a lot of the little things and make that my signature um, and, and he, for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to totally embrace that role in Philly, but maybe he would do it somewhere else. By the way, if Philly wants to make it this tough, tough decision of trading Embiid, you know, they can always get back D'Lo, a shooter, and James <laughs> Wiseman. Look, they could, they could develop him. <laughs> Simmons and D'Lo are buddies from high school. It could happen, man. I, I just love that, that, first of all, we've spent 10 minutes talking about a trade that almost definitely won't happen. And you guys are only excited about this because you've had nothing better to do than sit around for three months and think of the next move that's going to piss off the entire NBA. So I appreciate you guys I mean, for remaining dedicated to the cause at all times. It actually got blown up on Twitter. Somebody was like, Andy and Sam came up with this already. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. We just we just <laughs> sit here and bullshit all day. Some stuff gets thrown back online. Some stuff doesn't. I'm sure, as Sam knows, some guys on the Warriors. And by the way, uh, Marcus Rodin, the athletic there, he was like, Hey, like some of the Warriors staff, they're like, Oh, like Simmons isn't going to work. We don't think it's, I'm like, all right, don't, don't bullshit us. Okay. They're like, try not to be too desperate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. we wouldn't do that trade. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We would have to think about it. Elton, <laughs> if you're reading, we're not sure. <laughs> we, I, I, we, <laughs> I guess I want to ask, uh, you one last Simmons question. Okay. How does it work? Uh, in the, pure warrior fan fiction scenario where they actually just get him for D'Lo and spare parts. How does it work with Draymond? Other than the fact we know in three to four years, Draymond will force him out of town. (laughs) Well, I don't know, man. They've got that clutch connection. You guys keep mentioning clutch as if it's like (laughs) evil, but you gotta, you gotta lean into Draymond's clutch era. Um, I, I, Here's the thing. I, I love Draymond, and one, one of the things I'm most excited about for this next decade of basketball is getting a chance to watch Steph and Clay and Draymond kind of climb the mountain again and find a way to do it and, and you know, sort of like silence everybody who said they needed KD and this and that. Like, I, I really want to see them get the chance to do that together. Um, that said, if you are bringing in Ben Simmons, I kind of part, there's a part of my brain that feels like, all right, so then you have to turn around and trade Draymond right then and there where he'll still have some value and you can get another piece, maybe a wing, 
and uh, and just go to war with Ben Simmons, Clay, and Steph for the the next five to seven years and try to win as many titles as you can. I can't imagine the Warriors without Draymond. Um, me, that'll me be either. the it saddest day. It break my heart. Yeah. Sam's been trying to trade him for months. Uh, all right. Wait. Before we get on to the years. Uh, the, <laughs> years. Next topic. Let me do a. Let me pay the bill, shot real quick. Uh, untuck it. So ever see an untuck it button down? They look bad, especially when Sam wears it, um, because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's untuck it. The original bottom uh, button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. So no matter your size or shape, untuck it shirts always fall at the perfect untuck length. Uh, with more than 50 plus fit combinations Untucker shirts look great on tall, slim, short And athletic guys of all ages um, Choose from any styles Like wrinkle-free bun downs Super soft flannels, outerwear And more With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy Bulgy, bulgy Too long or too big again And their website is easy to use They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own. Untuck It's the way to go. Untuckit.com. Use code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for 20% off at checkout. Untuckit.com, promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, Sam, we're back. By the way, Omari Spellman, heated post-game, discussing what he considered a lack of effort from the Warriors in the second half. Already, taking, already taking leadership roles. I mean, wow. I, I, the real question is, is Lake willing to pay another player a max deal? At this point? <laughs> wait, wait, seriously. He really did that? He really said that? I, I fucking, that makes me happy. I mean, I Ooh. don't want to click on the video in the middle of a, a pod, but yes, there's a video here where he gets all mad. Um, I'm telling you, man, Spellman is legit. I was talking to Sam like uh, five or six days ago. They, like at least three or four players on this year's Warriors, not including D'Angelo, would have been a lot more helpful than the other guys in the, like the supporting cast in last year's finals. And hey, hey, is hey. firmly McKinney in that slander. Yeah, Quinn Cook not getting it Quinn done for Cook. you. Dude, oh my goodness! I, honestly, that's one where like it, it's funny because I was at every one of those games, and I think you just had to sort of be there. Obviously, you guys understood it, but like among basketball fans everywhere, I don't think. It like the mainstream basketball fans properly appreciated how trash like that Warriors supporting cast was throughout the finals. It was on it. It was like shocking to watch. And how good the Raptors supporting cast was like yeah. just how absolutely amazing Marcus all Fred Van Vliet. And actually, you know what? Why are we recapping the NBA? Sam, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say that's the system working like the Warriors assembled probably the greatest roster of all time and over time they you know they have five good players and quinn cook so yeah it's it's definitely the way the system was designed to work and it's unfortunate because they did have a couple picks that they just sort of like struck out on and had they not struck out on on literally all of those guys on the margins they would have had a shot Uh, and and look if clay doesn't get hurt Maybe they win that title anyways. I, I think there's, a, again, like a part of my brain will always believe that they were going to win game six and then go win game seven yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, destined but, to do the 3-1. Right? Yeah. Or the karma, the kind of exactly. thing. Yeah. yeah. I, hey, you know, uh, I, you didn't talk about this too much. I wanted to get your thoughts on this on the, on the podcast, on kind of the NBA ratings. 
Uh, Ethan's actually writ- wrote, written about it at this. I think he's written like 25 articles on it at this point. Um, cause he has nothing else better to do. <laughs> yes. It's better. Than, it's better than 25 yeah. articles on Jacob Evans role. So. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, by I, every podcast I, I tell Sam, I just, I feel bad for the guy. He had a couple nice buckets against the Clippers, but talk about like striking out. Did you know that Draymond green was, was one of the, the scouts that were all in on Jacob Evans too. And, uh, my God, that guy looks like I feel like, like that's a front the office G-League. throwing him uh, under the radar. They're like, I don't know why we picked this guy. Let's say Draymond did it. <laughs> Let's say Draymond did it. Draymond was a big Jordan Bell believer also, if I, re- if I recall correctly. <laughs> who's uh, probably mi- – who's even worse in Minnesota than he is uh, – than he was as a warrior. You kind of think because I was all in on Jordan Bell. Yeah. Um, but- no, we all were. Um, I still don't totally understand what happened <laughs> with Jordan Bell, but it is what it is. Um, your question about the ratings – I'm glad you ask, Andy, because you guys, because I obviously like when all the SI shit happened and I was kind of like transitioning careers, figuring out the podcast stuff with Ben Golliver, sometimes kind of can feel like kind of cheerleading, boosterism, whatever. Concern trolling. Well, yeah, but like Ethan, even when I don't agree with him, he's always super thought provoking, which is great. But. On the ratings front, like I don't necessarily see this as an existential crisis for the league, and I think that if you if you do see it that way, then like the premise is is essentially that the the TV money isn't going to be there when the TV deal runs out, and I believe it's five years, and I just think that there's still going to be a lot of people who want to bid on the NBA's TV rights. So a lot of this is kind of much ado about nothing if we're talking strictly about ratings. And then there's like a separate conversation where it, it has the health of the game been overstated over the last couple of years. And that's where, like, I think absolutely it has been. And um, and you can have a lot of conversations about what's working and what isn't working. But with the ratings, I just feel like everybody is sort of projecting their grievances about the league onto this crisis that isn't necessarily a crisis at all. Steps well, hurt. This is why the ratings are down. I was going to say, <laughs> so I'm going to let Stan give a serious answer, a more thought-provoking answer, but for me, it's an easy way to just roast LeBron. Like, it's just very, uh-huh. it's just anytime you can slander LeBron and clutch uh, and, and the media that loves LeBron, it's just, it's easy. And well, this, is the, this is the way I'm going about it. Honestly, like, no lie, that's part of what I love so much about Ethan is he's, like, one of the only guys who would be out there being like, look, like, people don't necessarily have a like emotional connection with LeBron. If this is, if this is our generation, if this is our generation, Jordan, like there's people should be freaking out that he's on the Lakers and everybody is kind of nonplussed by all of this. Um, And so, and yeah, like that's, that's the type of conversation that is really interesting. If you're not necessarily like obsessed with correlating it to like a larger existential concern for the NBA, um, and honestly, like I looked up on Friday night watching Warriors, Clippers, JV Warriors. They're wearing those like ugly ass McDonald's American ass. <laughs> can, we, can we discuss, can we discuss how their jerseys have got worse every year? And it's one of the most under understated things in the league. The, the jerseys are just terrible. It's honestly, they look like they're out of the McDonald's All American game, yes. and I just don't. I don't understand. 
I was I was watching it. I almost texted you, Sam. Like, is this even a throwback, or is this just a really ugly design? Whose idea was this, and can we never wear them again? But I mean, on the other hand, it does feel appropriate during this lost season, where like you guys and fifteen other people are the only people watching the Warriors. I'm just saying people liked the Warriors. People liked watching them, liked hating on them. I think the bigger thing is no one wants to talk about the disconnect between player empowerment and indifference. Yeah. See, well, yes. Which and, is and, kind of the interesting thing where it's like, okay, everyone acknowledges people should have the right to go to whatever team or job they want, but it creates this apathy in the league which is kind of what I think is really contributing to everything. Like, no one believes Kawhi gives a shit about the Clippers. No right. one believes LeBron cares about the Lakers. That I don't, I don't even know if Steph I, – I mean, I'm pretty sure Steph never wanted to be on the Warriors. Actually, it's pretty well, well reported. We know that. We know pretty that. well <laughs> reported. But there's, like the, like, the noble lie that, like, he helped build the team, which yeah. is arguably – you arguably need that when you're trying to get consumer money and fans who are, you want them to be fanatical. Well, you know what? They need to be fanatic. They need to believe the product cares as much as they do. Or they care, or they care about what's going on. You know, 82 games is tough, but nobody cares about the players act like they don't care. And then they'll tell you they don't care, which is like, at least lie to my face. Yeah, well, and and I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, and and I didn't get to finish my thought with that Warriors Clippers mm-hmm. game. Uh, but when I when I watched that game, I was thinking to myself, if Steph and Clay were healthy, this would be like easily the, the game of the week. Watching them go to battle with yeah. Kawhi and and the Clippers weren't even like Paul George wasn't out there, and it was just kind of like a weird vibe with the Clips as well. And, um, and and they probably would have tried harder if Steph and Clay were out there. Like I can't really yeah. blame them for not being up for it versus it's, versus a bunch of guys crazy. who might not be in the league. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, but I think the player empowerment side of it is really interesting because I don't know if I would necessarily say that fans can sense that guys don't care during the regular season. I think that the other half of that conversation is that there has just been so much player movement that fans haven't had a chance to develop any kind of emotional connection to like Kawhi's Clippers team. And, and that takes time. It takes more than half a season. You have to watch them go through the playoffs and usually fail. And then, you know, you see how they respond and, it just takes a little while, and, I, and the same is true with LeBron on the Lakers. Like I think, after seeing them make a playoff run in and either win or lose, like people will begin to form like more emotional reactions to them. But right now, it just feels like so much of the league has been turned upside down. It's like I don't know if I if I weren't someone who was like. It, uh, invested in this league to an unhealthy extent. If I were one of my buddies who just kind of casually watches the NBA, like I don't even know how I would explain like what happened to the Sixers Celtics rivalry over the last couple of years. And like why Al Horford is on the Sixers and now Kemba Walker is on the Celtics. And it's just like, it's kind of a weird vibe for everyone involved. If you're not watching this like really intensely. Well, do you think it is there was that um, somebody like tweeted me and Sam and showed like he I don't know. I forget the account. So I'm sorry if he does listen to the podcast, but he essentially tracked how often players were mentioned on social media. 
Yeah. Um, and like Alex Caruso was essentially like five, six, seven times more than someone like John Moran or someone that's like, he, he's good. And like the, the players or the, the league should market them more. And then, so that's like one thing. And the other thing is like, people will say, you know, we talk about the Lakers because they get the clicks. or we talk about this because they get the clicks and it's like, yeah, it, the clicks are coming on social media. It's not necessarily the same people that should or shouldn't be watching the games on TV. Um, so it's just yeah, kind of a weird thing, disconnect. The only thing I'll throw in is, I mean, I get as annoyed as anyone about like weird, you know, kind of internet patois tweets from major <laughs> accounts. But um, terrible. It's a scourge. But that's like it's not necessarily Bleacher Report or whoever's responsibility to market the game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's fun to say, like, why is Bleacher Report throwing up all these Caruso things? But, like, that's that ignores the overarching issue that the league doesn't know how to market Giannis, who is one of, like, the three most exciting players in the last decade. And not just exciting, but productive and absolutely as good as, like, it, it, you know, it's he's not, like, a, a fraud, so to say. So right. why, why are they having an issue? Like, because... Giannis doesn't count, by the way, Sharp. Most yeah. of, well, most and, of the- and here's the thing. I think that we're working from a premise that I'm not sure I completely agree with. I, Giannis is one of the biggest stars in the world. And he, mm-hmm. uh, I, like, because Ethan's most recent article started with the assumption that Giannis is not, that the NBA has failed to market Giannis because some of his family members knew, knew LeBron but didn't know Giannis. I think that that would probably be true of a lot of people. Like if you polled them and, and asked them, I'm sure a lot of people know Tom Brady and maybe Russell Wilson, but don't know Deshaun Watson. And I think that Giannis at this point in his trajectory as like a global superstar is more in the like Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson tier where he's still kind of moving up. Um, and isn't quite like ubiquitous to the degree that LeBron is, but he he can get there. And and frankly, like I think the Bucks just need to continue to make postseason runs for him to to sort of hit that that next level. It, it like if he had been in the finals last year, the Bucks win a title, and I think the Giannis the That's whole true. Giannis phenomenon hits another level. And he, and it's not the NBA's fault that Giannis. And, and I, it wasn't even Giannis. If Giannis had played more, I think they would have beaten the Raptors. But like Chris <laughs> Middleton was a zero in at the second half of that series, and like the supporting cast just fell apart. And and I don't know what the NBA can do to solve that. Giannis on the Warriors solve that shit instantly. <laughs> you know who's not a zero? Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. It's, it's tough, man. I, I I wonder what Giannis will do, and I under I also wonder what is actually best for the NBA um, and, and what, like if, if Adam Silver was given truth serum and was in the back room somewhere being interrogated, like does he want Giannis to stay in Milwaukee or does he want him to leave and go to New York with Masai? Like what does the NBA prefer in that scenario? And, and honestly, I don't think anybody can confidently say that one option or the other is the best thing for the league right now. Well, I think we need to take the rest of this conversation to the premium podcast. (laughs) So you guys can all subscribe. 
by going to uh, bluewire.com and going to light years. But we're going to leave it here. Now we're going to go to premium and finish up the spot.